Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our state. Hey everybody. Thanks and welcome to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, June 29th, and that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM Madison. And today we continue our conversations with uh, the many candidates running to be the next United States Senator for the state of Wisconsin. We have uh, interviews with two of the candidates today, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes and businessman Alex Lazary. And these two candidates are so busy on the campaign trail that we had to pre-record our conversations with them. So we're going to play our two interviews. Um, so just take a listen and hopefully you'll enjoy our conversation. First off, we'll talk with Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Hello, Mandela. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Carousel. So good to see you. Really glad to be back here. Glad to join you for another show. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, you're a regular guest on Ward and um, on A Public Affair. We appreciate you joining us so regularly. Um, talk to us about your campaign. Congratulations on your race and um, why you want to be the next U.S. Senator for the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's my pleasure to be back on the show. Happy to be here anytime. And I'll tell you, I'm running for the U.S. Senate to rebuild the middle class. This is about creating opportunity for people in every corner of Wisconsin. I will repeat it as many times as I need to, but I was raised by a public school teacher and a third shift assembly line worker. And those are the jobs that gave my family a ticket to the middle class. And that's exactly why I will never stop fighting for every person in this state to get at least the same opportunities my parents gave me. And I'll tell you, though, Carissa, it wasn't the easiest decision to decide to run for U.S. Senate. I truly enjoy my role and the opportunities that come with serving as lieutenant governor, having a chance to work right alongside Governor Evers, taking on some of the biggest challenges this state has ever faced. But my parents raised me to fight for what could be, not to settle for the things as they are. And so I can't sit back and let somebody like Ron Johnson spend another six years delivering for himself and his wealthy donors while he leaves working people in the middle class in the dust. We deserve a leader who has a firsthand understanding of the challenges that working families face every day. We need a person who's going to put Wisconsin first. And that's the work I've done as lieutenant governor, traveling the state, delivering pandemic relief for small, mid-sized family farmers, for working people, working families. That's exactly the work that I do in the Senate. I'll stand up to the special interests and corporations to bring manufacturing right back home so we can lower costs for families. We can create jobs by investing in clean energy and we can end the bad trade bill, uh, the, excuse me, end the bad trade deals that hurt our family farmers. I really like how you um, your conversation about supporting families and working families. It bridges the whole um all the parts of Wisconsin. This resonates with farmers and rural communities. This resonates in Madison and Green Bay and Milwaukee. Talk to me about um, how, what are you seeing when you cross the state? Is there, do we all have more in common than we realize? I'll tell you, we have so much more in common with each other in every single county in this state than we'll ever have with an ultra-wealthy, out-of-touch, self-serving politician like Ron Johnson. <laughs> people want good schools to send their children to. People want a one child that puts food on the table. People want to be able to go to a doctor without having to worry about a surprise bill. This is the case in every part of Wisconsin, uh, but it's not the reality. And we still have a long way to go to make the American dream a reality. But we can get that started right here. Wisconsin has always been on the forefront of doing the right thing, of doing the bold things, of making this country better. And I see this campaign is getting us right back on track to doing that again. What are some of the things that you can do specifically to support middle class families and working families? Well, I'll tell you, a couple of things we're looking at now is, you know, lowering costs. And that includes giving middle class families some relief. That means expanding the earned income tax credit, it means extending the child tax credit. That means uh, suspension of the federal gas tax, uh, at least to lower costs in the short term. But we got to think about long term as well. You know, 
the opportunities that my dad had, the opportunities even that my grandfather had who moved to Milwaukee after serving in World War II, he was able to get a job as a union steel worker. Uh, that was the one job for his, you know, for most of his work in life. He was there for like 30, 35 years. But those factories, the factory my gra- granddad worked, there's nothing there. Where my dad worked, it is basically a strip mall. And we have yet to rebuild the middle class that gave not just my family. This isn't about me. This is about so many other people who've had the rug pulled right from underneath their feet. Uh, And when those good jobs went away, that's when we saw a rise in crime, rise in violence, rise in addiction. So rebuilding the middle class will always be one of the most important things for me uh, to help not just lower costs for people, because when we build more things here in Wisconsin, we're not so susceptible to supply chain issues that drive costs up. But we also create thousands of good paying union jobs uh, as a result. And this is how we make Wisconsin a leader. We have to invest in renewable energy. We can be a leader in next generation manufacturing, whether it's semiconductors, computer chips. We also need to make sure that um, you know working families get that short term relief and also uh, long-term viability to enter the middle class. Mandela, I want to talk to you about um, your support for public schools, especially because part of your childhood, and you talk about the, the um, we've talked about your dad and your grandfather, but also your, your mother's work in the public schools. How important is it to support um, Wisconsin's public schools and public schools across the country? Fighting for public schools is one of the main reasons I ran for the state assembly in the first place. Uh, I talk about my parents' middle class union jobs, but I also talk about how public education was also key uh, for me being here in this position that I'm in today. And I never stopped fighting for public education. Are there things that you can do on the federal level to ensure it, it feels so state by state? But what are things that can happen on a federal level to ensure that our public schools are supported? Well, I'll tell you, some of the things we got to look at are high stakes testing, which causes a lot of unnecessary stress for teachers and our students. And we also need to look at how we'll use ESSA, for example, the Every Student Succeeds Act, how we can update it to make sure that we take other factors that impact the child's learning, like poverty, into consideration, food insecurity, housing insecurity, uh, those outside, those external factors that impact education. And if we work to solve those problems, if we make sure that every child shows up ready to learn, then we'll have fewer issues in the school system. And the fact also that our uh, school system, school districts are based on property tax funding, that creates so much more inequity and we need a more stable, solid solution to make it happen. And I'm also to have, I'm proud to have so many teachers with me in this fight. AFT Local 212 endorsed and my most common donor is actually a teacher, which is something uh, my mother would certainly be proud of. <laughs> That's lovely. Um, <laughs> and I mean, there's so much, I will say that our public schools, I grew up in uh, New York and I spent part of my childhood in California and all, so many other states you talk with so many other people and they, God, you still have public schools. Your kids still go to public schools. It's such a tradition that we have so much to be proud of in Wisconsin that we really can bring some leadership actually to the federal level. Yeah, I, and we need that leadership. And it goes back to the experience that doesn't necessarily exist uh, in uh, in the United States Senate. And of course, I'm sure there are plenty of public school grads. I always talk about it from the perspective of the school that I attended was one of those uh, schools that faced some real challenges, some real struggles. We didn't have a super high graduation rate. We had a, had a significant you know dropout rate. We had also a significantly high poverty rate. We also had other issues that impacted learning. So I'm speaking about this stuff, knowing where my path has led me and how different it was from so many people I sat in the same exact classroom with. Mandela, you're not just running for Senate, but you're running against the incumbent Ron Johnson. He has been uh, in the news most recently about things that are happening regarding the January 6th um, and his role in trying to, you know, decertify the election of President uh, Biden. He also was in the news uh, not that long ago about uh, his position against 
the bipartisan gun control legislation, not good enough, but still the fact that bipartisan exists and he still can't support that. What are your responses to uh, the path that Senator Johnson has Wisconsin on? Well, exactly. So I am running for the Senate against Ron Johnson, but also against a broken system that fails to deliver for working people. Uh, yeah. that fails to deliver for working families, the people that are more susceptible to all the issues you just outlined, especially gun violence, a person who's been an absolute threat to our democracy and to see that his office was directly involved in trying to overturn a free and fair election. I mean, that is dangerous stuff right there. He should absolutely step down from office. This is a person who's demonstrated that he is unfit to serve, uh, much less uh, unfit to represent the people of Wisconsin, the values that we hold dear, like upholding our democracy, like making sure that everybody in this state has a fair shot. Ron Johnson will have none of it when it comes to doing the right thing. It's it's pretty scary, his response to it. I want to get your take on the gun control legislation. What's your position on, on um, how we can improve safety and gun control? Well, it's another issue that I take very personally. You know, I've actually lost friends to gun violence in my freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school, and subsequent years as well. And that's another fight that I was very deeply involved in as a member of the state assembly. It's a part of a coalition of national state legislators called the American State Legislators for Gun Violence Prevention. We work with a lot of on-the-ground grassroots advocacy groups to provide common-sense solutions. And the thing about it is what we support is what an overwhelming majority of people in the state of Wisconsin support, what an overwhelming majority of people from across the country support. Uh, However, looking at the deal that, as it is presented, the bipartisan framework for uh, gun control, I will say that, sure, I will vote for it, but it has been 20 years since anything meaningful has been passed. And it's not anywhere near everything we need to see. It's not as it's not nearly as comprehensive as it should be, but it's certainly a start. And as we continue to lose lives and communities all across uh, this country, inaction is not an option. And once again, Ron Johnson has chosen not to act. Uh, when people are at their worst points in life over the course of the pandemic, he couldn't be bothered to vote for pandemic relief, wouldn't support the infrastructure bill that would go a long way to also help save lives, given the impact on water infrastructure. And, um, you know, this is a person who couldn't be concerned about people's lives and livelihoods uh, in, the, in, in the country, much less the state. So, yeah, I would support the bipartisan deal, but... That just uh, that just shows how important it is for us to not just win this seat, but to gain more seats so that the will of the people can actually be realized uh, in American politics. We're talking right now with Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. He is running to be the next uh, senator, the United States senator for the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Mandela, uh, we've had an opportunity to talk with a handful of uh, your colleagues also running in this seat, and you have something that uh, not ev- not anyone else has, which is uh, state legislature experience and state executive experience. Talk to us about that experience, uh, the work that you've done, and and how will that help influence your ability to be successful at the Senate level? Well, I'll tell you, I have friends running this primary. And I'm glad to see them sharing their vision. But what you mentioned is critical. Uh, Having the experience and the qualifications, having spent the last years fighting for working people all across the state of Wisconsin, my time prior to that as an organizer in Milwaukee and now as lieutenant governor is the sort of experience that can that will let you know that I'm ready to go on day one. And that's what we need. We don't have time for on the job training for people uh, looking to figure out the legislative process or, you know, what's actually going on in Wisconsin. My very first year as lieutenant governor got to all 72 counties. Before we even took office, after our election, the governor and I went on a budget listening tour. We traveled to five different communities across Wisconsin, and we held open roundtable discussions. These were not invite only. Anybody was able to attend. So cannot even tell you what people's political leanings were. And that gave us a chance to hear directly from people all across the state about the things that they wanted. And when I tell you it was a listening session, it was a listening session. The governor and I gave brief opening remarks and we sat down at the table with folks and we listened to what they had to say and we gave brief closing remarks. Then after the budget was introduced, 
We did a follow-up tour to check in with people in five different communities uh, all across the state. And having been able to sit all across Wisconsin with everyday people, learning about their challenges, learning about their frustrations, but also their hopes and dreams uh, is a unique perspective that uh, no one else has in this race. And I didn't get here to the office of Lieutenant Governor by accident. I got here with hard work, grit, and determination. And it's not an accident that we are positioned as we are in polling, in fundraising, where we've built the largest grassroots operation. We have received over 100,000 individual contributions to this campaign. Our average donation is around 40 bucks. And voters know that I don't have millions of dollars in personal wealth or the back end of corporate PACs. What I do have is skin in the game because the people that Ron Johnson has left behind are my family, my community and my neighbors. So, yeah, the experience as a legislator and now in executive state office, it means a whole lot when it comes to doing the job. But when it comes to relating to people all across Wisconsin, the real world experience could possibly be the thing that matters the most. What, and what did you learn when you went across the state? The state, And what were some of the most pressing issues you're hearing from people? I learned what you brought up early on about us having so much more in common with each other. Yeah. And some of the biggest issues, some of the prevailing themes are the cost of child care, of health care, addressing corporate greed. People feel like uh, the wealthy have too much control over their lives, whether it's politics or whether it's the economy over the course of this pandemic. Billionaire wealth increased an additional trillion and a half dollars. At the same time, up to seven million people found themselves in poverty for the first time. I've been on farms and I've talked to people who've had some horrendous healthcare stories. I met a guy just outside of Eau Claire where he and his wife were, you know, they were expecting they had a baby on the way. And by the time the baby was there, there were some complications and they amassed over a quarter million dollars in, 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 in medical bills. And it was his dream, you know, to pass the farm to the next generation. But that kind of debt can make you lose the whole farm. And that's not an isolated incident. That story is happening way too many times. The fact is we're in places where healthcare is affordable, it's not always accessible. Where healthcare is accessible, it's not always affordable. These are the problems people continue to be or continue to run into because we have such a broken healthcare system. And uh, you know, people always again want the schools are always going to be uh, top of mind for folks because uh, people are in love with the schools that gave them opportunity. Their public schools it, it creates a sense of pride in communities. And the fact that they see school funding dwindling so often when you have Republican legislators who could not care less about education, uh, people people are getting people get worked up about that. What I find so interesting is that as, as I'm preparing for these conversations, um, what you were just talking about, the 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 impact of Republican legislatures uh in, in limiting people's access to to healthcare, to public education, to all of these things. The conversations I have when I talk with our state uh, legislators is about how do you get things done and define success when there's a Republican-controlled state legislature here in Wisconsin. And I thought I'd be flipping the conversation for uh, you and all your colleagues when I'm talking about the Senate. And yet here we are with the Democrats in charge of the U.S. government. And yet because of the filibuster, you're still banging your head against the wall. Do you, do you think that's accurate? And what is your response to the role the filibuster plays? Yeah, I'll tell you, um, if anybody's listening, if they go to store.mandelabarnes.com, you'll see our abolish the filibuster shirts. Okay. Um, we are we are we are very much in favor of getting rid of the filibuster because it has allowed for uh, minority rule in this country. I mean, the Senate itself allows for minority rule. So right. this is uh, this is this is a, a, a compounded structure that goes counter to the interests of the American people, counter to the issues that we support, things we uh, favor or feel are important. So, of course, getting rid of the filibuster is the first thing we have to do. Do you think that you can get things done in the in in Congress? Well, there's no reason we can't get things done in Congress except for the filibuster. Voting rights should have been done, should have been passed, you know, first 90 days, but the filibuster. Mm -hmm. Roe versus Wade should be codified into law, protecting the right to choose once and for all. But the filibuster is in the way. The threat of the filibuster itself 
gets in the way. And I, I couldn't be more frustrated. You know, I'm not here even to make excuses for Democrats. I'm here to say that we need bolder. We need stronger. We need people who actually understand what's going on. And as I traveled the state, another thing is it's not always left or right. It's not always red or blue. It's about the people who've been at the top and those who've been left at the bottom. Mandela, I want to talk a little bit about racial justice. You're, you know, one of the uh, senior African-American leaders in Wisconsin. And uh, even though the numbers are growing in the U.S. Congress and the U.S. Senate, you'll still be only one of only a handful of African-Americans in uh, the U.S. Uh, Senate if, if you are elected. What perspective, how important is that to you? And what perspective do you bring to the table with that? I'll tell you, the biggest problem is that the United States Senate does not reflect America. It does not reflect the American experience. It does not reflect America culturally, does not reflect America racially, does not reflect America along generational lines. And this is something we absolutely have to change. There's, I, I talk to people all the time about the issues we encounter, the issues we face, the things that are going to be voted on, the legislation that is introduced, passed or not. And the communities that are impacted by that legislation rarely have a chance to give the input that those communities deserve. Don't get a chance to debate. Don't get a chance to cast a vote. And that's why communities continue to be left behind in this country, because that perspective is missing. This feels like... Sometimes we've come so far and yet there's still always these levels of underlying hate that pop back up and not only for the sake of, you know, the brevity of our conversation, right, grouping everyone together, but anti-immigrant sentiment, anti-racial um, justice sentiment, anti-Asian hate, the LGBTQ, the attack of the trans community. How do you respond to this and bring more humanity and compassion to uh, the federal government? Well, the way we respond is first by listening. You know, we got a lot of people who don't want to listen. I mean, go back to the whole filibuster conversation. The filibuster itself was supposed to be, you know, a person just talking ad nauseum until, you know, debate ran out. And the issue that a lot of people have with politicians is that they feel they just talk, 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 talk. And if you're not listening, you're not going to be able to solve the problems that you try to solve. And communities are going to continue to feel the pain if the, your elected leaders are not listening. So uh, we do have a long way to go. But as you mentioned, these things don't happen in a vacuum. Uh, if those folks who are anti-LGBTQ, anti-Asian, uh, you know, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, whatever the case may be, uh, there are these there are these forces that still exist in our society. And unfortunately, there are too many politicians in elected office who won't call it out, who give safe harbor to those who are participating in some of the most egregious and atrocious activity you could think of. And when we change the perspective, when we actually, you know, change Washington by changing who we send to Washington, uh, then things will be different. Mandela, it's been really fabulous talking with you in our final minutes here. How can people learn more about your campaign, hopefully see you uh, along the campaign trail? Absolutely. This is all. This has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed sitting here chatting with you. Uh, if people want to learn more, they can go to www.mandelabarnes.com. That is the website. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. I am the other Mandela. And what happens next after? So after the primary, um, if you're successful through that, do, does the race sort of change or is it the same conversation after August? Oh, it's the same conversation. It is the same conversation. We're talking about the same exact things. Rebuilding the middle class, making Wisconsin a leader, a national, if not global leader in the fight against climate change and creating thousands of good paying jobs in the process. You know, we can do this. We've done it before. It's time for us to do it again. Well, it's been fabulous talking with you, Mandela Barnes, Wisconsin's lieutenant governor and candidate for United States Senate. Thanks for joining us today, Mandela. Thank you so much for having me. That was Carousel's interview with Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes for U.S. Senate. Next, we're airing her interview with another candidate, Alex Lazary.
Hi, everyone. We're here today with Alex Lazary, candidate for United States Senate uh, to represent the wonderful state of Wisconsin. Hello, Alex. Hey, how are you? We're wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know busy schedule. I'm so glad we could we could um, track you down today. So tell me a little bit about your campaign and why you're running for U.S. Senate. Yeah, I, I got in this race uh, because I wanted to make sure that we could send someone to Washington who could get some stuff done. Um, you know, I thought think for the last 12 years, you know, whether it's his conspiracy theorizing, uh, his general indifference to the job of being a senator, his attempts to overthrow an election. Uh, Ron Johnson has just shown us that he's not up to the task of being our elected official. And that's been a big problem because that means for 12 years we've only had one U.S. senator in Washington fighting on our behalf and fighting for our interests. And so for me, this race is about giving Tammy a real partner in D.C. to bring some real change and real results for the people of Wisconsin. And in that candidate, I thought we needed someone who had a real track record of getting things done. Um, I'm not a career politician. I have worked in politics. Uh, I've worked in the White House. Uh, I've worked on the Hill. Um, and I led the bid to bring the Democratic Convention here to Wisconsin. So I know how politics work, but you know, politics is the only profession that I've seen where chairing a commission or proposing a piece of legislation or just saying that you're fighting is looked at as an accomplishment. What we need is people who are going to be able to go and deliver. And that's something I've done my entire career. Um, we've, I've raised wages. I've created good paying union jobs. Uh, you know, we've, we've been on the front lines of climate, of climate. We've, uh, been, uh, had meaningful reform on racial and social justice and voting rights, right? We've done a lot of real things that have had a meaningful impact on people's lives. And if you want to know what someone's going to do when they get to Washington, look at what they've done. And that's why I got in this race. Cause I thought we needed people, uh, who had a record of accomplishment before they started asking for votes. I think that there's so much conversation out there um, about, you know, business acumen and taking a business perspective. And, and that's so embraced by, I think, the Republican Party. And it's refreshing to have, you know, an accomplished business leader be someone that says business and progressive values go hand in hand. Talk about, can you tell us more about your experience and your leadership as a business leader with the, with the bucks and beyond that can really help? change that narrative that business leadership is progressive values. Yeah. I mean, what we've been able to show is that progressive values are good for business and good for workers. And it's why we've been able to get so much support in this race. Um, we've got the most union endorsements of any candidate in this race. Um, and that's because what we've shown is that if you want to run a good business, you've got to have the best talent and you've got to have the best workers and people who are well-trained people who um, are, are excited to come to work. And that's what we did when we built Pfizer forum, we built it hundred percent union, even though this is a right to work state, we built hundred percent union because we knew that if we wanted to have the best building, we wanted to have um, one that wasn't going to need, you know, any changes or anything, not take any shortcuts. We wanted workers who were going to be trained workers who were experienced. And that's what we get when you hire a union. Operating the building, same thing. We wanted to make sure that we have reliable, trained, um, experienced staff. That's what we get um, from hiring union. And so that's why I think we've gotten so much success um, with the endorsements that we have from, from labor here in Wisconsin. And I think that what we're trying to do is show that this false narrative that to run a successful business, you, you, know, uh, you, you can't have progressive values. We've just shown that that's not true. And more importantly, though, what I think I'm bringing to this campaign is just someone with a real record of accomplishment, right? When it comes to, you know, we, we hear in the party, we need to raise wages. Well, that's something that I've done. We hear in the, in the party and, and around the campaign trail that the number one issue in this campaign is going to be the economy. How are we going to deal with supply chain issues? How are we going to deal with inflation? How are we going to deal with rising gas prices? Well, this is all stuff that I know how to do, right? We need to raise wages. We need to invest in education to create more jobs. We need to bring more investment to Wisconsin. Contrast that with Ron Johnson, who has only done in his 12 years in the Senate, passed a tax break that created um, more wealth for himself. It took tax deductions away and raised taxes on the middle class and workers, uh, made it easier to ship jobs overseas. And he's actively working to move jobs from Wisconsin to South Carolina. 
that's something that, you know, we don't need from a U.S. senator and that's actively hurting our state. That's why we need someone who's going to make sure that we're bringing jobs and investment here to Wisconsin. What are other things that we could do to support, you know, working families, especially because, you know, we talked before the show started. I'm, you know, I'm hanging out right now with my daughter. We heard about, you know, your uh, 10, 10 month old daughter. How can we support working families and the struggles that they are facing, not just with inflation, but even before, you know, before the economy had inflation issues and before COVID, there were the affordability of childcare, the ability to access strong public education. What are other things that we can do? And how does business tie into that? Yeah, when I've when I've talked to workers around the state, you know, what they always say is, look, the, the best program I can have is a good job that pays a living wage with good benefits. And that's what we need to start bringing more of to Wisconsin. And that means we have to start investing in our labor pool right? That's a ton of, we need to be able to bring federal investment back here to Wisconsin to invest in our education system. Our Republicans in the state legislature are trying to defund our cities and defund our schools. Yes, That's something that is drastically hurting our competitive edge. We used to be one of the top uh, uh, um, research grant facilities in the country when it came to university funding, right? We used to be, I think, second in the country in research grants um, sent to our university system. Now we're like eighth or ninth, right? That's billions of dollars not coming to Wisconsin that could help make a, give us a competitive advantage over other states. Our best export right now is our people. We're educating and training people and then they're leaving to other states to go find jobs. That's hurting not just our urban areas, but our rural areas as well. We're losing talent. And the one of the things that we've seen since Ron Johnson has been in office is this brain drain that we've had this, you know, export of talent leaving Wisconsin. That's something that we can change with more investments in education, creating a greater labor pool so that companies say, this is where we want to go. Making sure that people understand, Hey, not everyone needs to go to a four years college, right? That might not be for everybody. You know, we need to make sure that um, people in high school can understand, Hey, the trades are a great career path where you're going to make, great money and have a great career. And <clears throat> that's something that we need to start promoting more, giving people just different options and different career paths um, to be able to be successful. And that starts with the most important investments we can make in education, in broadband all across the state, in, uh, in ensuring that we've got public transportation. One of the greatest ways that we can uh, help out with you know, rising gas prices is make it so that people don't have to drive everywhere. Better public transportation would be really helpful. Um, better roads so that uh, you know people are able to get from point A to point B. These are all things that are in our control, right? We've got the money to be able to do it. We've just got to have the will and the know-how from people in Congress to be able to uh, to get things done. I I love your mention of broadband and mass transit. I mean, I think. When people think about uh, the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better, which right hasn't President Biden's vision has not been accomplished by the current Congress, uh, and it's yes about roads and bridges and and all of the traditional definitions of infrastructure, but it's so much more. Talk to me about what your understanding of the infrastructure is, and you know how this is an issue not just for the cities, but absolutely for um, all of Wisconsin rural communities as well. Look, I, I talk to people all around the state. People would love to live in rural areas, right? They want to live in rural areas. We've got a lot of people living in rural areas. It's just really hard to commute, right? And that's something that we need to do a better job of, of making this whole state connected so that you can live in, you know, in Eau Claire and commute to Wausau really easily if that's where your job is, right? If you want to live in Jackson County, but you're working in, uh, in Hudson, then you can be able to commute there. If you're living in Racine and are working in Madison, that that commute becomes a lot easier. The better we can connect the state, the more you're opening up your labor pool, the more people can live where they want to live and work where they need to work. That's something that we just don't have. And we had the chance to be able to do that, but Republicans um, and Scott Walker got rid of um, uh, the public transportation that we were going to begin working on um, when we were going to start building a, a, a train. So like, these are things that Republicans have actively been against. Um, Ron Johnson's been in the Senate for 12 years. Where's his bill to bring broadband across the state? Where's his bill 
to invest in clean water, right? Where's his bill to bring, you know, a, you know, more infrastructure, more housing, um, right? These are all things that we need to help grow and improve our state. And Ron Johnson's been in the Senate for 12 years and hasn't done anything. And that's the message that we're bringing all across Wisconsin and why we're seeing so much uh, momentum and excitement for our campaign, because people want to be able to know that they're going to be able to have access to good jobs and good um, and, and a good education for their kids. And Ron Johnson's been actively hurting that. And that's something that we can change if we change the Senate seat. We're talking right now with Alex Lazary, candidate for the United States Senate for the state of Wisconsin. Um, Alex, we, we've touched, you've touched a little bit about the Republican leadership in the state of Wisconsin and um, Ron Johnson's uh, work uh, uh, sort of undermining progressive uh, victories at, in the U.S. Uh, capital. And I wanted to touch base on that. I get the opportunity to interview a lot of individuals that are running for state office. And my conversations with them are, how are you going to get things done when Republicans are in charge of our state legislature? But what's interesting was in preparing for my conversations with you and your colleagues that are running for U.S. Senate, I thought I would flip, it would be a different question, but it's sort of not. Because of the filibuster, it feels like even with Democrats in control of the state Congress, they're still bumping your heads against Republican um, senators like Ron Johnson. Talk to us about that. How do you get to victory in Congress? So I think there's a few things. One, you know, I, I'm for getting rid of the filibuster. So I think we do need to get rid of the filibuster so that things can start to get done. Um, and, and one of the things about the filibuster is it doesn't allow the voters to get what they asked for. Right. If voters have voted in people to be president, the same people of the same party to be president, the Senate, the House, they're voting for an agenda um, and they're voting for um, the ability for you know us to pass voting rights, um, for us to be able to stop climate change, uh, to bring universal health care, um, to make the economy something that can work for everyone. But then what happens is people get there and something can't get done. And then that's when pe- voters get really frustrated because they're not worried about the process as much. Voters are worried about the results and they want to know, I said, you guys said when you were asking for our votes that you were going to be able to do all these things. And now that you're in there, why isn't this stuff getting done? If you get rid of the filibuster, we can then do the things that we promised in the elections. And then the next election, voters can decide if they like what you did or not. And this is something that I keep trying to mention is Elections have consequences, and we're seeing those consequences also playing out right now um, with the Supreme Court. Just overturning Roe, right, making it easier to have to do conceal and carry. Um, these are all things that have consequences because of elections that happened 12, 15 years ago. The election of this Senate race in 2022 is going to have consequences for the next 10, 20 years. And that's why this is so important. And when we're talking about how we can get things done, we need to elect people who know how to do that. It's important to get rid of the filibuster so that we can accomplish things. But we also need people who are going to know how to compromise, how to do things. Um, And that's something that I've been able to do my entire life. You don't just stop working as a senator if you're in the minority. And Tammy is a great example of that. Tammy's been getting things done for the people of Wisconsin, whether she's in the majority or the minority. We need people who are going to be able to go to the Senate and get things done for the state of Wisconsin, um, no matter what, because you're in a very important job and a place where you can have a meaningful impact on people's lives. Um, That's why I'm running, because I want to make sure that we've got people in the Senate who uh, who who can deliver for um, for the people of Wisconsin. And you had success working bipartisanly or on some level nonpartisanly um, with Democrats and Republicans in uh, efforts with the Bucks and the National Convention in Milwaukee. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I've worked on, across party lines uh, a number of times um, to make sure that we were benefiting the state of Wisconsin, whether it was on the on the Bucks Arena deal, where I think it was one of the few pieces of bipartisan legislation during the Walker years. Um, where we were actually able to make sure that we got something done that brought a ton of investment uh, to all across the state. I mean, we look at the success of Fiserv Forum 
not just in the championship uh, that we were able to bring um, and uh, over the last, uh, you know, the first championship in 50 years, but the Democratic National Convention. We're seeing billions of dollars being invested west of the river. Um, we're seeing Wisconsin becoming one of the premier sports and entertainment uh, uh, venues in in the entire country. Um, we're seeing uh, you know, the, the, the investment we were able to create by sourcing 80% of the materials to build Pfizer form right here in Wisconsin, the good paying union jobs that we created. It was an incredible piece of bipartisan um, legislation that was able to really move Wisconsin forward. And the same thing with the convention. This wasn't just a partisan thing. And we knew that we were only going to be able to bring the Democratic convention to Wisconsin um, by showing that this was something that was going to benefit the entire state. And if it was going to happen and if COVID didn't happen, it was something that was going to bring hundreds of millions of dollars to the state of Wisconsin and 50,000 people um, looking at the state um, and being here that might not have come here otherwise. And so those were a number of things where, again, I said, being able to work with Republicans and get things done is important. And I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, you're going to be like the, the partisan ills are just going to heal with one person's election. But if I'm elected, I'm someone who knows how to do things. Um, we've got that real record of accomplishment of having, getting things done. And that's something I'm going to be able to bring to the Senate, whether it's working with um, members of my own party uh, or, uh, or across party lines. Alex, you mentioned the U.S. Supreme Court, and on Friday, the decision did come down. We all uh, knew it was coming uh, on some level, literally, because we saw the the preview of the decision. But Roe v. Wade was overturned, and I'm I'm 49 years old. I was born in 1973, and I have uh, teen, two teenagers, and all of a sudden, their lives are worse off than my my life has been because of access to reproductive health. What are things um, that uh, you think we can do and uh, do you support a woman's right to access um, abortion? A hundred percent. This, you know, the, the what, what happened uh, on Friday was, was devastating. Uh, my wife works at Planned Parenthood. She's the mm-hmm. chief of staff at Planned Parenthood, Wisconsin. Um, I've got a 10 month old daughter. Now, they woke up with less rights than they went to bed with. Yeah. And that's something that should never happen in this country. I mean, I think this was an unprecedented situation where the Supreme Court actually took away rights from someone. Right. Never and these are in, you know, just constitutional rights. These are inalienable rights, right? Women are born with the right to make their own health care decisions, just like men are. And the fact that the Supreme Court is saying, no, we're going to let politicians decide what women can do with their body is uh, is disgusting. The fact that Trump's handpicked Supreme Court justices are able to decide what a woman can do with their own body uh, is terrible. And we saw a Supreme Court justice say what they wanted to do next. Right. They want to talk about, um, you know, choosing who can like, you know, wh- who someone can love and who someone can marry. They want to talk about contraception and being able to ban that. This is why, again, I say elections have serious consequences. This is something that Republicans have been systematically working towards for the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And by winning elections in state houses, by winning, you know, Ron Johnson winning, by Trump winning, the elections have had consequences in, in, in leading to the decision that we had. It's why this race is so important, because we need people in the Senate who can get there and abolish the filibuster and then codify Roe v. Wade and make a national law for a woman's right to choose. Uh, This is something that we have to be able to show that the stakes of this election are that high. And it's something we're campaigning on, something we're talking about. And, um, you know, again, like we've got a lot of things that we need to do in this country, but making sure that women have the same rights as men has to be one of our top priorities. And that means we need to start electing people to the Senate who uh, who can get that done. Ron Johnson's not going to do that. He's already said he thinks this was a great ruling. That's the type of person we have representing Wisconsin. We deserve better. How do you work with that? The fact that there's so much there's polling that shows that Wisconsin and the nation supports 
um, access to abortion. There's also polling that shows Wisconsin and the nation supports gun control legislation. Wisconsin and the nation overall believes that, you know, um, President Biden won the presidency. And yet Ron Johnson is in opposed to all of those things. We, we learned during the, you know, recent hearings last week on the January 6th uh, activities, what a pivotal role Ron Johnson tried to play in undermining the election. How out of touch is Ron Johnson with Wisconsin? Well, I think this is one of the problems that we have right now is we have a senator who's not accountable to the people, right? He's just accountable to special interests and his big donors. And that's why we desperately need a change and why I say for the last 12 years, we've had only one U.S. senator. The polling shows a vast majority of people agree that a woman should have a right to make her own health care decisions. The polling shows that a vast majority of the country agrees that we should have universal background checks, right? Not taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, but making sure that someone can go, has to go through a background check to make sure that they're able to get one. Making sure that, you know, vast majority of people agree that President Biden won the election. Ron Johnson is just not someone who's accountable to the people of Wisconsin. He's not working for the people of Wisconsin. He's working for Donald Trump and his special interests and his donors. And that's something that we need change, right? People know, just like her, I'm going to be no one's senator but theirs. And there's no one, I'm not going to be bought off or beholden to dark money or, or special interests or anything like that. And that's why I think this race is so important is because we have the chance to elect someone to the Senate um, who's going to be accountable and working for the people of Wisconsin um, and not the special interests like Ron Johnson. Alex, when I'm on your website, um, multiple issues that you you talk about there. But what I was really interested in was the detailed conversation that you have uh, about criminal justice reform. Can you talk a little bit about this? And I appreciate that you're acknowledging the complexity of it, that it's not just a soundbite, but multiple pieces to success. Yeah, criminal justice reform is, is something that's been a, a big part of our campaign and making sure that um, that, that, that we'd make this a, a big priority when we get there. Because, now look, I think when we're, when we're looking at the system right now, it's just not working, right? We've got too many people... Um, that we're just putting in jail and making sure that no one's ready when they get out. And that's something that I think we need to make sure that we're changing. Um, we need to make sure that we're giving people, you know, the ability to, when they come in, when they go into the system, uh, that they're able to get out and be a productive member of society. And it's something that, you know, we, we highlighted and worked on when we visited the Racine Correctional Facility with our Play Up for Justice initiative. Uh, we did a roundtable with um, in, with residents of the Racine Correctional Facility where they talked about, hey, I, I did something wrong, right? There, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But when I got out, there was no one there to help me get a job. There was no way for, for me to get the education that I needed. I was constantly um, viewed through this one prism. And that's something that I think we can, that we can work on and change. We need to make it, uh, um, and, 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 and that's something that I, again, I, I, we're making a, a big part of our um, uh, of our of our platform because this is something that's disproportionately affecting um, communities of color. And if we want to make sure that we've got a fair and equitable country, uh, criminal justice reform is going to have to be one of our top priorities. I think also when we're looking at this, we need to look at public safety as well. And that's why we're the only candidate to have put out a public safety platform, which talks about not just giving the proper resources to the police and making sure that we're, you know, funding our police departments, um, but also making sure that we're investing in public safety. So things like our public infrastructure. So after school programs, education, job training, right? we want to have less crime. We need more people in school and we need more people at work. And so making sure that we've got job training programs, after school programs, better education, and gun reform, right? Our three-pronged approach to public safety, I think, will help make sure that we've got less crime on the streets, um, making sure that we've got a police force that's trained and able to do all the things that we're asking them to do, um, while also ensuring that we're reforming our criminal justice system so that um, we're not disproportionately uh, locking up, um, you know, uh, 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 people of color. 
Well, Alex, it's been fabulous talking with you. I know there's so many more issues to cover, but I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and uh, helping us understand your vision for Wisconsin. How can people learn more about your campaign and hopefully see you along the campaign trail? Yeah. So if people are learning more about our campaign, you know, we've gone from 0% in the polls to now tied for first in the primary. So we're excited about the momentum of our campaign. And if anyone's interested in learning more or, or joining, uh, just go to alexlasry.com um, and, uh, you know, be on our website. Uh, you can sign up uh, to be a volunteer, uh, get your yard signs. Um, we're five weeks away from the primary. Um, and yeah. it's going to be, you know, one of the most important uh, races in this country. Uh, and again, I think we've talked about why the stakes of this election are so high. Uh, it's important that everyone comes out to vote, uh, not just in the primary, but in the general as well. So anyone who's interested in joining our campaign and 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 being part of some change, uh, go to alexlasry.com. Well, it's been fantastic talking with you. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Alex Lazary, candidate for United States Senate for Wisconsin. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our conversations today. I want to thank our two guests, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes and businessman Alex Lazary, two of the candidates running to be the next United States Senator for the state of Wisconsin in the United States uh, Congress. So I want to thank everyone for listening to all of our interviews. We'll be back again next week with two more candidates. I want to give a huge thanks to Rochelle for... Uh, producing our shows and Teresa for engineering, especially really tricky when we have all these pre-recorded. So huge thank you to Teresa. Thanks, Sholly, our news director. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you again next week. Have a great day.